Hello and welcome to the Greg Theron podcast with your host Greg Theron and back for part two is the awesome Ruby Cherry. How are you Ruby? I am feeling wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> best, best that we can while we're still in lockdown until God knows when. <laughs> so you're feeling good, feeling feisty today. We're going to talk a lot about mindset, motivation and all that jazz because you've got your own podcast where you talk a lot about this stuff, right? just got off one actually about the exact thing about identities, emotions, anxiety, and the fact that anxiety is not always anxiety. We just think it is. Oh, I like that. So the first one you just said about identity, this is a big thing for me as well. So talk me through what, what is about identity people need to know and how it holds them back. So identity it's like a coin. There's two sides to it. There's a side that holds you back, but there's also a side that's like the facilitator. And we are one whole person. But if we try to break ourselves into different systems, like the part of us that wants to keep us safe, the part of us that wants to execute, the part of us that wants to nurture, like if you're a mum, do you have a lot of mums in your group? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of my clients, a lot of the ladies listening will be mums. Yes, definitely. So... As soon as we become, we become a mom, we have more of our nurturing identity rear itself and everything we do is for our child pretty much. And they become the person that we want to look after and do everything for. And you will know that as soon as you give birth, nothing is about you anymore. You're not pooping on your own for a while. Like you won't have peace while you're on the toilet. You're very lucky to. And if you do get peace and quiet on the toilet, that is your sanctuary because mm. you won't get it anywhere else. And it's times, it's like that is where it all starts. From that moment onwards, we forget ourselves and we can forget ourselves in the process, but we can't really do anything about what was. We can actually take charge of what is to come. But the thing is, it's hard to do that if we're so busy trying to do things all the time because we're human beings, not human doings. But doing stuff needs to actually happen to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. It's being aware. It's being aware of where you're at, being aware of your thoughts and your feelings. And if, like, actually questioning yourself, if I do act in this certain way, what's the outcome going to be? But too many times we're just focusing on the outcome. Like people come to you, what is the main thing that they want? The, the first line is always, Greg, I want to lose weight. I need to lose the belly. That's always the, the kind of the two lines that they come to me with. So that's the thing, but what's that going to bring you? It's like, th th does that really matter? Losing the weight, losing the belly? Because if that's what you're going to like put all of your worth on, put all of your happiness and I guess accomplishment on, what's going to happen once that stalls or once something happens, like when shit hits the fan and you can't actively pursue that, or you get a bump in the road, like you're going to feel like a failure because you're not continuing on in that path. And because we are talking all raw and realness, something that I brought up on the other one was when I was in comp prep, I was actively chasing becoming a smaller person seeing the results. Like when you're in a weight loss phase, you see results so fast for people that are starting off at a pretty high belly fat, belly fat. Belly fat. Any, <laughs> yeah. Any fat. 
percentage, yeah, you're going to see results pretty fast. And when you are losing weight, you will start to see things like on the way down, I was seeing veins, I was seeing all that stuff. But as soon as you get to a point where you can't really get that lean anymore and you need to come out of it, you don't see changes the same way, but your identity is still the person that's chasing that smaller body. You haven't yet let go of that identity. And if you don't allow yourself to let go of that identity, it's not even when you reach that goal because a lot of you guys listening to this probably aren't nowhere near that end point yet. But when is the end point? When will it ever be the end point? Who freaking knows? Because we might think we've hit an end point, but in the process, we've already set a new end point without realizing, hey, we got there. Like you're going to keep chasing and chasing things. And something that's come to light more and more, which is something I really want to try and get out there is, we need to stop being chasers. It's not even the fact that we're doers anymore. It's that we're always chasing something. Mm-hmm. We're always chasing something to fill an emotion. We're always just chasing something for the sake of chasing something because we're so used to doing it. Like I fall into the trap all the time and I'm still honestly, like honestly, I'm still working on this because it is so hard. But the thing is you need to be aware of it to be able to work on it. And because I love what I do so much, just like you guys love what you do for your kids so much, but the thing is you guys would have the added component of not only wanting to nurture the kids and do everything for your family, but you're also trying to chase an outcome for your body. I don't have that holding me down because I'm happy with it. Well, I'm never going to be happy with where my body's at that way, but it's like, I'm happy with where my body's at, but of course I want better for it. Yet too many people aren't at that place where you're just happy with it. However, like I could get to a point where, say I step on the scales and it's higher than usual, or I have a big bloated day because like, something made me bloated, whatever. Nothing affects me that way anymore. Whereas for a lot of everyone else, it does. And that's the thing. It's I don't have like fluctuations in my body holding me back. It's just the fact that I love what I do so much with, with what my kids are. My kids are my clients like fostering and nurturing social media and the people that I can help there because that's my purpose that's my passion making a difference so in chasing that direction I'm still I didn't even realize I said it there we go in chasing that direction there's the chasing I'm chasing something Mm -hmm. that makes me feel fulfilled but that's an external source I'm not actually taking a step back from all the doing and all the chasing to actually audit my life and bring myself back to center so that I have the clarity in that direction, because it's like, you can still be moving in the direction you want to move, but it depends what, like you are a vehicle. I really want to make this part the the clearest part because you need to see yourself as a vehicle. There's a gas pedal, but it needs gas to, to run. But we already know that you need to have the fuel the nutrition, which is the fuel, mm-hmm. and you need to have a good mechanics, good system working, which is the training. Like you need to have the mechanics working. But how about the car? When's the last time it got serviced? When's the last time you serviced yourself? Because if you do not service the car, no matter how much fuel you'll shove into it, no matter how, like, no matter the actual engine that's in there and how much you rev up that engine. It's get it's who knows if it's rusty. Did you check the water? Did you check the oil? Did you do all the system checks? 
because that engine, regardless of whether you're training your ass to the ground and pressing on that pedal even more because you're pushing on all the exercise and you're shoving in all the fuel, the car's not going to function the way it should. It's, it's, you can see, imagine a car with a busted tire and rust on the inside. Like that's where it comes to servicing yourself. And do you think that or feel like, because I see all the time that people aren't willing to stop and do that audit or they find it really difficult because they've never been asked the questions that we might ask them. Because, you know, but like you said, people say, oh, I want to lose weight, Greg. And I'm like, okay, why do you want to lose weight? And you keep going down the why and then they get really stuck because they haven't had the chance to stop, look at themselves and actually really understand what they actually want out of life past the I need to hit this scale weight even asking them those questions sometimes doesn't get us anywhere because they mm. don't know what they want yeah you know, like as soon as we start out I don't even ask that question at first mm. it's something they need to discover on their own as they go you need to start to question them along the way because they they're never going to question themselves and that's like no one's ever going to ask those questions until unless you question yourself and this is why I'm, this is something that I'm so, like, it's my biggest passion. It's something I really want to get out there to as many people as I can, because yes, I can become troubled. Yes, I can struggle. And I do have my struggles. And I'm even going to get a business coach on to help me with that soon. But the thing is, my days never lack anything. Even though I may feel like I'm a lack because I'm struggling, my days themselves, my life itself never lacks because one moment or one blip in time does not, it, it doesn't even cause me to stutter mm. because I'm aware. I know what is troubling me and it it's powerful because it allows you to, it allows you to stand against what all the other people are saying. Like people may say, oh, it's this, or maybe you need to do this, or maybe you need to invest money into this. But like I had an interview with a mindset, like a mindset mentor, and talking to him, I'm like, I'm not going to put my money on you. Like, I don't need this. I'm already advanced in this. Like, everything you're saying, I already know all this shit. Like, I'm already so aware of all of this. Nothing you're saying, you're just making me think more. Like, this guy was just making me think more. And it was him that made me realize I needed a business mentor. I didn't need anything in my mind or any of my clogs to shift. Whereas this is where everybody else is stuck because they're so easy they're so vulnerable, I should say, to fall for this, that, and the other because they're not sure of anything. They're, they don't have that surety because they, okay, the topic that we spoke about on my previous episode was one of discomfort and no one likes to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. No one likes to get to that point of, like, it. this one has been hard for me to recognise in a way because I was exposed to it very on in my fitness journey where I started out too weak to even lift the lightest barbell there was, which was a 10 kilo barbell. I had to start off at literally three kilo dumbbells for anything. That's how weak I was. But within the first uh, consistency, reps, consistency, reps, you can relate this to your mind, to your nutrition, to learning anything. But I'm hoping you can try to relate anything I say to something that is similar that needs consistency and practice because everything in your life does a baby starting to walk that's practice so put this into your life but 
through all of that, I got to a place where I was able to do the barbell curls. I, all I wanted to do at first with that barbell, my, my biggest goal with that barbell was to do 21s. Mm. All I wanted to do, seven at, the, seven at the top, seven at the bottom, seven full. That's all I wanted. But I couldn't even get to five full. I couldn't. But that, as soon as I got that, I felt invincible. I'm like, Hercules. And I was <laughs> my biceps. You start using your biceps and start, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't focusing on an outcome of any sort. Mm. Like my outcome was body, was my, like, of course my outcome was a body goal. I don't even, I didn't even give a shit about the scales then really, because I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to feel a certain way. And being able to do that in the process, in the process, in the process was a process goal. The process was my goal. And I nailed that. And then I just kept doing, like, I didn't, I don't remember anything else except the fact that I wanted to stop being so nervous using the big machines, which a lot of people are. And some guy shoved me onto machines and forced me into tears. I was crying a lot of the time, but I I didn't even care. I loved it because I don't even know why I loved it, but he forced me to do all these negative reps. He'd lift it and he'd make me do a negative. And then he'd make me do the reps with him and push them. And he's like, I'm not pushing anymore. You need to lock it out. And he literally broke me on a lot of machines. And even though that is not the smart way to train, it's kind of like that you need to expose yourself to the fear to reduce its resistance. And the same comes with everything else. And I am a big Harry Potter fan, even though it doesn't seem like it, but that's the only, I, I don't read books. I don't, I read summaries and I listen to the author's talk because I'm an audio person. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually a kinetic person, but audio is my second preferential. I yeah. used to think I was visual. But anyway, I don't read books. I don't, well, I used to love watching stuff. And the only thing that I would watch on repeat was both The Incredibles, but that's not relevant, and Harry Potter. Now, in Harry Potter, what is it that makes Harry Potter so strong? It's the fact that him versus Dumbledore not Dumbledore, him versus Voldemort, Voldemort has people that fear him. That's why he has that group. But Harry Potter is people who love him. They care for him. They support him. That gives him so much more power. And him himself as an individual, he is a pure person. Mm. He only wants what's best. He is actually doing things for the greater good of everyone else to protect them. So when it comes battle to battle, when they wipe their swords together, Voldemort starts off stronger and then they meet in the middle. But then what happens? Through the sheer power of pure will, Harry Potter always wins. Mm. Always. Because when your intentions are pure, when you know what it is that you want, you can push through. But that is what so many people are fearful of. And that's what I was coming to. That is what people are fearful of. People are so scared of their potential because back to this whole topic was just meant to round off to say people are so scared of their potential that they're married to their old identity of struggle, their old identity of like people might shrug at this. Like, why would I want to struggle? Well, I don't know. I'm asking you that. Why the hell do you want to struggle? Like Mm. just freaking do something like, okay, I'm going to do all of this stuff. No, 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 no. I didn't say do everything. I said, do something, do the next actionable step. 
that's all. Like ask yourself, what is the next actionable step? Because that's the process. That's the process goal. And for one of my girls I'm working with right now, and I want to mention her because seeing as I'm going to add this onto my podcast, <laughs> one of the girls I'm working with right now, my only biggest focus is to detach her from what the scale means to her, which means fat. More food equals fat to her. The scale equals fat to her. And because I have her clicking off on my fitness pal, the fucking stupid thing, as soon as you clock off on complete entry, oh, it's going to take you this long to lose this much weight. Oh, if you keep going in this way, you're going to put on weight. Like that shit. Like if I can get triggered by anything, it is that. And I didn't, I completely forgot I did that until she told me. I'm like, okay, this is why it is so important because regardless or not of whether you are really set on your intention on using my fitness pal as one particular thing, if you're still in that vulnerable stage at the beginning where seeing something like that's going to trigger you, to me, I laugh at it because I know, but so many people will actually fall for that. Like, what am I doing wrong, Greg? Why is it saying this to me? Why is it saying I'm going to gain weight? What am I doing wrong? Like people always are quick to say, is this bad? Am I doing bad? Am mm. I doing wrong? Like I hardly ever hear is like, am I doing good? It's, is this good? Is this bad? It's so quick to shoot yourself down instead of pull yourself up. But back to the thing is that's, that's my focus with her. And for once she's actually going over her calories and I'm actually freaking excited about that from someone who even struggled to hit 1300 consistently. And then I brought them up to 16, 1700 consistently. She's actually going over a few days. I'm like, I'm actually really happy. This is Mm. good. This is good because right now your metabolism has been fucked up from eating the way you did for ages. Where, like I said, so many of us are so busy giving to other people. We forget to eat. I don't know how the hell people go, like literally they go for days without eating. Maybe the most they do is just lick the, lick the spoon here and there, but literally they will go the day without eating. And then on the weekend, they might binge drink, but that's a different story. The thing is people are not showing their body that, them, that they're safe. And I read a study ages ago. I wish I could remember this stuff, but I just take what I need and discard the rest. Yeah. That was a, I do it all the time. <laughs> and like, I really wish I didn't do that because then I could dig into it a more and actually get more out of it, but I got what I wanted. You can actually, even as little as in one week of restricting yourself for five days to go aboard on the weekend, you will over time actually add a lot more fat tissue and fat cells and you cannot get rid of fat cells. Mm. You will actually add fat cells if you go way over on the weekend to make up for a week of not eating. And it is not called a diet break that way. That's not a refeed. That is stupid. Oh, the, 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 the stupid cheat, cheat meals. I had a cheat weekend. I'm like, oh. Like, there is something to it. There is science behind doing it properly if you do it. But it is not going to give you any superiority by doing it. It's more of a phys- It's more of a psychological thing. And they even did the Matador study for that. Like, hmm. yeah, they both work. But it's all dependent upon the person's psychology for which one you want to do. Do you want to take longer to get there? Or do you want to do it the short way? People that do it the short way, but their personality kind of says that they should have done it the long way, they will probably fuck themselves up and they should have done it the other way. Like, this is where it comes to you need to know yourself and stop looking to others to answer the question of what is it that you need? 
because we don't know what we need. We know what we want. Mm. We need to actually trust the process, go through it slowly and learn ourselves because it's not about the outcome. It's about who you become in the process because you learn yourself more. And the more that you learn yourself, the longer you're going to actually keep all the results that you build in the process. And even if you continue to work on the process, the outcome will come anyway at some point. So, yeah, it, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm always hammering into my ladies about, okay, but what's the process goal? Okay, I know we know what the outcome will be at some point. Great. Don't care. How often and consistent can we hit the process that you need to do? That's it. I, I actually do get triggered as well. Like, it's so easy for me to get triggered when this happens. It's like, I, I talk about it to death's ear. But when you focus on the outcome, you get nothing. Mm. Because if you're just focusing on the outcome, what the hell are you doing in the meantime? <laughs> like, honestly, if all you're going to focus on is the fact that you want to be able to say you lost 10 pounds in the process, mm. what the hell was the process? Like, you're focusing on this end goal without actually knowing what the hell you need to do or thinking you know what you need to do because you're so focused on it. It's just like when you set your, you set your GPS to... <laughs> The, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I was just going to jump in with that same thing. I know exactly where you're going. Go on, carry on. I, I don't know state, so I'm putting my hand up. Let's say that you live at the bottom of my hand, and you mm. set your GPS up for the top of my hand. But let's say they're like a um, hundred miles apart. You're driving a blindfolded because that's all you want to get. And as soon as you get to the destination, then you can take the blindfold off. It's like, how are you going to get there? You might mm. have an accident. You need to actually set the action goals, but you don't even know what that is if you haven't actually taken the time to draw it out on paper and be patient with yourself and ask questions like, okay, so what is it that I need to do? What is like, how do I see my life? And this is where I kind of get angry with people who smash on social media. It's got nothing to do with social media. It's got to do with you, the person you're looking at other people getting jealous of them, but you're jealous of the wrong thing. Because when I switch from being jealous of people, to being jealous of jealous is the wrong word, but I'm still, I'm rolling with it because that's what people use jealous of what they, how they've got there. It's like, okay, but that's the thing. Instead of being jealous of it, how can I actively work towards it? I'm going to try and see what this person does every day, but then that's where the bottleneck comes. Cause it's like, you don't see that stuff. That's where your imagination comes in. So mm. this is what you try to see what they do on social media if that's what you want to do without comparing, but then visualize you as that person because you can't say that you want this part of a person you're jealous of that without saying that you want to give up everything you have in your life to have everything they have, which might be a dysfunctional relationship. It might have been childhood abuse, whatever it is. It might be a dysfunctional relationship with their parents because of that. Like you can't just have one part of them without taking it all. So you need to see what it is that you like about them and actively work towards your version of that. Mm. But you can't do that without trying to put in the action steps. Okay, what is it that I need to do to get there? What could they have done to get there? So for example, you see me lifting heavy at the gym. Okay, I'm so jealous of this person. She doesn't look fat and she's lifting heavy ass weight. How can this used to be the, what I wanted to get out there because I'm, I was never at all holding a lot of body fat and lifting heavy ass weight. I wanted to show people that you could do that 
and not be a fat powerlifter because I don't believe in that. You see that things are possible if you work towards it. What did she do? Oh, how can she lift so much weight? Well, I don't know. I put reps into the gym and I gradually got my weight there. And I don't increase the, well, you might see me increase my weight on my bar every single week, but that's because you're only looking over one phase of my training cycle. And then I might say, oh, I put more on my barbell this week. Well, it's actually less than what was on my barbell a couple of months ago because I'm in a different phase now, but I'm still progressing from the week before. And this is where you don't, like I said, you don't focus on the outcome of how much you want to lift. It's the principle of how you lift that much, which is progressive overload. It's lifting heavily over time, not lifting like a jackass and training yourself into the ground and crushing your hormones in the process or hurting yourself or injuring yourself or overtraining to the point where you can't adapt. So in all of what I just said, there's all the processes. You need to recover to adapt. You need to train smart. You need to plan in your training so that it allows for progressive overload so that you can over time get stronger. But then again, what I said at the beginning, you need to learn to push yourself because a lot of people think they train hard, but they don't. And I send everybody an article written by one of my online coach friends that actually tells people that if you're lifting the last rep and it looks the same as your first rep or even halfway through the set, you ain't lifting hard enough. And I know a lot of my girls do that. It's like, I, I actually want you to start failing your last set. If I'm training guys, it's a different story. But for my girls, I actually want them to fail every set because their opinion of failure is usually all mental. Mm. It's mm. not a physical thing. And it's taken me ages to realize that after my own co- my own uh, my own old coach used to reverence my head, stop using RIR, stop using RPE because you think you have three left in the tank, but you probably have 10 or you think you have three left in the tank but you'll probably fail the next one. Like, you don't know what you have left in the tank until you take yourself there. So that's the principle I started lifting with. And that's how I got, that's how I started seeing results. But because my lifting was so advanced in the way you programmed me, I could not do cycles of longer than four weeks. Sometimes at my third week, I was bottomed out because that's how I pushed myself. But Outside of that, when I wasn't doing the powerlifting stuff, my cycles mm. would, would last about six to eight weeks and they'd only slightly change. And that's, yeah. that's massive. And I really want to just, just jump on that point because I think there's this thing of, I need lots of variety in my training. Um, you, know, I, you know, I've had it in the past where you know, people haven't had a, a change in their training program uh, for weeks and they're like, Oh, I, I need something new in my program. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> We're going to maybe up the reps or really, or drop the tempo or do some tempo work or whatever, but same exercises. Yeah. Cause that's like, there are some of my girls where I'm so grateful that they are this, this type of person, but they like their session that they, I can actually extend it for 12 weeks. Even like there are some of them I would want to extend it more because I swear that they don't even start pushing themselves until the seventh week. It takes them until that very end of where I would usually cut it at the eight week mark. And now you're starting to actually say, you're still, you're still showing that you're increasing weight. Like, dude, seriously, they underestimate themselves way too much. Like if you're not in those elite categories, you don't need that much of a change. And it takes a while for our body to get used to patterning to then be able to load it. 
but because mm. my body is so advanced, it does that anyway. But when I'm learning new, like my last few programs, because I wasn't, I haven't been a powerlifter for ages. Yeah, my training got changed every five, six weeks, sometimes four. But the way it got changed, I was still doing the freaking same exercises over and over again. If you, you, I don't know whether you were following me then, but literally every single time I posted a push up, it was the same freaking externally rotated on parallel, parallettes. Like it was the same thing. And I was doing pull ups for like 16 weeks in a row, doing the same eccentric pull ups. And I was doing the same pistol spots. That's why I'm, I'm stuck at home training now. And I refuse to do the body weight stuff that my coach had me doing because I did them for like 16 weeks. Like I will not <laughs> do externally rotated push-ups. Yeah. I will not get myself to do more than one day of three sets of pull-ups. I will not do pistol spots. Like I will not do these things because they I did them to death. And that's the thing. Like people think that four weeks is enough, but it's really not. And I started my push-ups on really high parallel parallettes and with really shitty form to the point where I got my hands on the ground and I could actually do multi-piece push-ups. And if you actually look up multi-pseudo push-ups, they're a really hard feat. Mm. And it's a lot of tricep work. It's not chest at all. So it's doing those repetitions that get you better. And if all you want is entertainment, maybe you need to reassess your goals. It's just like group class. Yeah. I love group classes for one reason, and that's to get people into the gym. That's it. As soon as you get yourself into the gym and gain that confidence, start adding in your own sessions. And then if you still want the groups, pick one class a week for cardio and maybe one for yoga or something that's calming, that gets you to breathe and calm down. Because you can easily do cardio with other people as long as it doesn't involve something that's going to tax you from everything else. And as long as you tell your coach, so your coach can factor it in. But to me, I think all of that's just a waste of energy that could be put into something that's going to get you a lot more bang for your buck. And that's why people don't hit their goals is because they spend so much energy doing, I don't want to call it the bare basics. It's it's doing the things that they, and it's not always their fault as well because the marketing and all the rest of it is do my insanity workout you know, there's so much variety, P90X, it's muscle confusion, like yeah. literally muscles just extend and contract, right? They don't get confused. They, they're not getting. And <laughs> that's, it. that's the other thing though. Muscles only contract. It's the other muscle on the other side that contracts that lets the, yeah. other muscle, that's the muscle extend. And that's where I really want to say that because that's where people get it all wrong. They think that muscles, like muscles literally only contract. There is nothing else a muscle can do mm. except contract. And the thing is to allow the other muscle, this I'm re- going to relate to the actual human being, this to actually let the other muscle work, that muscle needs to relax. And then that muscle will, you can say that's when it does its concentric, I yeah. mean, eccentric. That's when it does its eccentric, mm. but that's only because the other muscle is contracting it. Now, if you think of us as a human being, if we're so go, go, go in one way and we really want to move the other way, we're not going to end up moving there unless we actually let ourselves slow the fuck down. And that's why we get so confused in all this marketing, which is why I wanted, where I really wanted to interject with the one thing that it is our fault. Marketing is there because it is our fault. Like I said, we haven't yet sat with ourselves and actually took the time out 
remove the guilt and actually ask ourselves the questions we need so we get clear on what we want because then you can actually avoid all of that. But it's also forgiving yourself, knowing that, yeah, that was your fault, but there's nothing wrong with that. We all make mistakes. I, I won't touch salmon now because someone told me that I could not have anything except fats in the morning and protein. So I used to eat salmon in the morning. And because I trained in the morning and my body can't actually tolerate fat, like I can't tolerate high fat, I felt like shit for a while. I would go into the gym, complain to the coach saying, I feel oily. There's oil on my face. He's like, no, that's just in your head because this, the, the salmon was oily. I'm like, I feel really, I feel really heavy. Like I felt heavy, so gross. But regardless, it's, we all fall for things when we, one, don't have the education. Two, we're so emotionally involved in it. And three, we don't actually ask questions and it's like my body was telling me the science. Yeah, I still pushed in that direction. Your body is telling you the science that you're doing too much, but you're not letting you're not letting yourself listen to it. And something I hear all too often, which also triggers me, is I need to get my bloods checked. I need to get this checked. I need to go get my gut tested. No, you don't need your bloods checked right now. I'm not saying don't check your bloods because it's great to have those markers there because doctors actually take bloods properly. Like it's not a voodoo test, like getting a freaking gut tested, which is stupid. Like you don't need that shit. It's not going to tell me anything I don't already know. It really isn't. Eat your vegetables, do the shit you need to do. But whatever is coming up on there is deficient. That You're just going to take Western medication to fix something that I already know has been the cause of it, which is you stressing the fuck out and overtraining, under eating and not doing the things you need to do. And that's the, like, it's something I'm actually seeing so much of now because of COVID it, that's happening here. Like, We've been, Victoria especially, but with everything going on, everyone's guts are also getting disrupted. And they're like, I know my body really well. Something isn't feeling right. And then someone else saying, every time I eat something that's off my plan, my stomach plays up. And everyone's guts have become so sensitive to everything because stress does not allow our guts to tolerate things that are foreign to it. it really, that is how powerful stress is. Stress is powerful enough to actually make you sick. Mm. And stress doesn't just come in a form of, like a lot of the girls don't even realize they're stressed because stress comes in all different forms from work, from just a routine changing because there is so much change around us. Something as simple as a routine changing can trigger your body to react in a certain way. And that's why it's so important to actually take that Zen time out and back to that whole identity thing clean to an identity of someone who is struggling of someone who is lazy of someone who can't get their shit right stop stop attaching to an identity of someone who is who needs to lose weight instead of someone who actually instead of what you want to lose and all this deprivation shit focus on everything you want to gain like you want to gain life you want to be strong you want to be better for the family like think of all the things you want to add into your life that should be your identity your identity is forever changing like you said it yourself at the very beginning our goals are adaptable the outcome is always going to move and I thought you were actually going to say it before but you said something else that was important that's if you focus on the process you'll get the outcome anyway but the thing is within the process the outcome never stays the same it's always okay. going to move that's mm -hmm. how you know you're growing like girls come to us as in you and me mm -hmm. only me. <laughs> girls come to us yeah saying I want to lose weight but 
the ones that do let go of that identity start to realize, no, I don't want to compete on stage anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm actually starting to love the strength that I'm getting. But the, it's, it's kind of normal to still feel so triggered by the scale if that's the identity you came with. But because you've allowed yourself to be involved in the process, you're much more aware and willing to let go of that. Whereas if you haven't, you're still going to let that impact you. So love it. that's actually a good place to end that bit. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I just want to touch on something that I want people listening to this to be aware of and something we're going to be very aware of. There's a, there's a saying in kind of marketing terms that people will more readily move away from pain than move towards pleasure. So the marketing around fitness is always around the pain in your life. It, look at, look at medicine commercials. They're like, have you got a headache? Does your knee hurt? And you're sitting there going, Oh, actually, and then you just start developing this pain. Next thing you know, you're in boots or whatever chemist going to buy, whatever, right? Um, and that's the bit. If people actually, like you said, focused on what do I want to become? What does my life look like? How do I want to feel? That actually will elevate. Because people will just go, right, I need to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym, eat well. Two weeks, three weeks later, I've lost a bit of weight. Awesome. And then what happens in three or four months oh, this weight's come back on. I'm going to go and do the same thing again. I just had a little, you saw my face. I saw you, I saw you thinking, go on. Another, another application of it. If you look, I don't know what it's like in your state. So I'm just going to talk about Australia right now, but it's playing with me a lot because I feel for a lot of other people and I see what's going on because we are aware. And it's, seeing the way that society is responding to COVID here mm -hmm. is absolutely insane. Like no matter how much we know that lockdowns are hurting us more than it's actually benefiting us and that how we're handling the situation is not the right way and it needs to be re-examined, people don't give a shit because they're so fearful of dying, of getting COVID. They're so in fear of whatever the media or whatever the government has said. Now, I'm just going to make it clear that I am not a conspiracist. I'm not one of those people. It's okay. But I'm someone who's aware. And I'm anti-lockdown. That's what I am. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-anything except anti-lockdown. Because the children here are having, they can't socialize anymore. Because in Victoria, they've been, I don't know about America, but in Victoria, they've been ostracized for so long. Mm. When they got back, put into the school environment again, they, half of them are social anxiety. The, the phones are daily flooded with people calling in for anxiety and depression and all these different things like suicide attempts. That shit is what hurts me. And the thing is, this is actually self-inflicted. Our, our government is actually having the blood on their hands of all these people with all these mental health issues. And this is just now. I read another study and I even heard it spoken about on a, on a podcast where mothers who are lactating and breastfeeding mm -hmm. and mothers who are pregnant, especially in their third trimester, if they experience high levels of stress, that passes on to the child. And if it's within the first trimester, it gets embedded in that child's DNA. Wow. So wow. if you can think about how many people in lockdown are getting pregnant and the future we're going to have, it's not very bright and it hurts. 
Like it hurts. And that's like, I don't know who has the blood on their hand there, but that's the thing. People are aware of all of this damage, yet the fear is being placed around not dying from COVID. Not from one, from, and it's from one virus. It's not like there's not millions upon millions of viruses and diseases out in the world at the minute. And we've lived with it for so, with all these other things for so long. We're still here. But this one thing. <laughs> even like, even the health ministers here have said it's here to stay. That's the thing. It's here to stay. So we need to learn how to deal with it. And the thing is, the cases here are ever growing and our lockdowns are freaking strict and they're still growing. So lockdowns are clearly not working right now. So it's no one sees that sense. Like no one's actually seeing it because they're so fearful of it. Mm. And the government doesn't even want to pull the pull their finger out from already inflicting what they said because they already said it. And that's the thing. Fear is so strong. And it's so easy to move people through fear. It's almost like when you have those army people and they have like two groups of people. There was a this was on a podcast. I don't know whether they did a study of it, mm. but they had two groups of people where one was moved through fear. But if you were someone in control, like you are a coach, would you rather your clients come to you fearful of you so they're doing everything you say because they're scared of you or doing everything that you say because they want that outcome and they want it bad and they'll do everything for it? Be all the time, every time. Like, I, I love it when my clients go, Greg, do you know what? I'm in a bad place. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm like, perfect. That's okay. That's awesome. If they're scared of telling you that, then something else is going on and it's not working. And it never will work until they come out of that. So, yeah, you're right. Oh, there's so many gems. Like, we could talk about this stuff all day, man. This is, I, I hope people listening back to this take the opportunity to look at fear just in their general lives. So I think we we spend so much time looking at the news, reading the newspaper. Like, I, I, the only bit of a newspaper I read is the sports section. That is it. I, I, I like to see what's happening in sport. That is it. But people are sitting there going, oh, how many cases today? This is happening. And it's just like, it's just energy that you're leaking out into other to things that you could be doing for yourself. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just going to say a funny thing about my mom. So I don't know where it came from. I didn't know until my dad told me yesterday. But my mom loves watching the Noonies, I think he called it. Watching whatever movies in the, on in the noon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they show these like afternoon bad. Oh, there's old films that are set in the afternoon. They do it everywhere. I, I, I honestly don't know because I don't own a TV myself. Mm. So I don't know what's on TV. I didn't even know that we still get newspapers. I don't even know if we still get newspapers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, newspapers. I don't, I don't even know. I've never seen a newspaper in my little box. I just see the friggin' magazines, whatever. But anyway, it's my mom is obsessed with him in a way she would not even want to talk to me or they, answer a phone call. They still make like, that program. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> She doesn't want anything to do with me when she's watching Home and Away. But then I found out it was Noonies. I'm like, okay, so what's Noonies? Apparently, it's a real story about real people. And the thing is, we are addicted to knowing people's shit. If it's about a real story, my mom's all into it. She loves that stuff. And she's so invested in the lives of these Home and Away people that she wants to know everything about it. It's like you get so, what like you just get embedded into wanting to know people's lives. And it's the same with the news. You just get so embedded in it. It's like you're addicted to it. And I just actually want to leave that there as the thing that everyone needs to think about because the same goes to your identity. You become addicted to your identity. So that's food for thought. Well, yeah, I'm, you know, I've, I've had people come to me and say, 
I am I'm this person. I'm I'm I don't know, Donna, I'm just using the name, and I have this injury. So before they've even said I'm human, they've identified with the injury or an illness. And I'm like, or they identify with a diet. Hi, I'm Greg and I'm a vegan. I thought you were human. Like that's how embedded an identity can become. It's see identifying with that is it's like you can let people know but at the same time it's like okay but stop coming to me with problems if you're not going to come to me with a solution that you think is going to work it's like I want you to actually think and see what you think the solution is because you know yourself better than I do I can ask you the questions but try to ask yourself okay so this is this is what's happening for the injury, I can't really say anything at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not a disability. The knee is. <laughs> the knee, if someone comes to you with like a sore knee, it's like, okay, but I can do all of these things still. Okay, cool. We have something to work with. Mm. Because I, I don't know how to train Jenny with a sore knee, but I know how to train Susie with a sore knee because she's my client already. And I already know what she can and can't do. But just because they have the same injury doesn't mean I train them the same way. You need to tell me, Miss Jenny. What's going on, Miss Jenny? Come down the road. Love it. Love it. So, Jenny on the block. How do you keep yourself away from fear and work on your identity? What's your kind of go tos for people listening back to this? How do they? My secret is I don't. <laughs> I embrace fear. And that's the thing you, the more that you try to avoid something, the more resistance you're going to get because you're not allowing yourself to feel it. Mm-hmm. Don't try to hold, don't try to hold, hide or hold back any emotions. You need to let yourself feel it. And as soon as you learn to face the fear once, you gain the confidence that you can get through it. And it's hard when you're facing it, but you need to remind yourself in this journey of ups and downs, you've, you're here now, but there were lots of downs before and you made it up the top and then you had another down, but then you made it up the top again. Mm. Do it again. It's just that when you look back on it, you can't see it because it looks like flat ground. But that's because you've risen so high and grown as a person. And that's why the process is so important. So what was once mountains, they're stepping stones. And that's awesome because, you know, even you go to a new job, you're scared because you don't know where everything is. You don't know where the printer is. You don't know where the loo is. You don't know what you're doing every day. The secret there, just because I need to say this. Yeah, go ahead. The thing is you tap into your strengths. The second that you feel fear, you tap into your strengths mm. because then you start to allow yourself to be okay with everything else. So my strength is I love talking to people. I love trying to become friends with people because my value is validation, which I can say over and over again. And being able to form bonds with people because I also love communication. Like I, I need community. I need that. Everybody wants a sense of belonging and you get mm-hmm. that belonging through connection. So the moment that you face fear, do something you're good at because that's going to give you confidence to do everything else. So don't, don't attack something from a place of already setting yourself up as a pawn mm. instead of a bishop or a castle or a queen or whatever there is there. Rook, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't play chess. I can't play chess. <laughs> I can play drafts or checkers, but not not uh, not drafts. I know. So there was something else. There's so many gems you dropped, and I'm like, I should have made it. There was a note I should have made earlier. When your clients come to you, how do you 
start to move their headspace from I want to lose weight to I want to become stronger, fitter, more energized, etc. How do you how do you help them do that? Because I know you can't do that for them. We we both know. Yeah, it's a hard thing because it it really does depend. It depends on the person. But the thing that I start with is a vision board mm. because you need to actually like I hate the word goals, but you need to have a visual goal as in a vision of who you want to be. And that who isn't a what, that who is you as a person in your human element. How do you want to feel? You can't feel 50 kilos. That's not a feeling. How do you want to feel? And someone said the quote, I need to, I need to say it. It's you don't go shopping for a 60 kilo dress. You go shopping for a dress that makes you feel confident and nice. And if anything, you size, you look for a size not a weight on a scale but regardless of whatever the size is that's still stupid because size six in crossroads looks different than size six in kmart or Mm. target walmart or whatever the hell's there like sizes are different depending on the make you can't be lie and put your worth on that but instead the material itself and how it makes you feel Mm -hmm. love it love it yeah because i think there's this thought in the world if they come to us we're going to motivate them like, we can do so much, but they need to actually do the inner work. Mm. Do you think people are just looking around for someone, something or someone to attach themselves to, to give them that motivation? Because for me, taking action and even coming to speak to me shows you're motivated already. Even if we don't work together, we're having that conversation. There's a motivation. Don't know how big it is, but there's a motivation. I don't think people know what motivation is most mm. of the time. It's don't realize it. Growing out there, I don't know. Like just thinking about it, I don't think people really know what motivation is mm-hmm. because if they try to attach to someone else. That's not really motivation because no one can truly motivate you. Amen. Like it, no one, like it, it just doesn't happen. Like no one can truly motivate you because someone can yell at you, but that's not motivation. Someone can encourage you, but that's encouragement. That's not motivation. Their motivation is still coming from you. Because that encouragement is motivating you. But what is it about the encouragement? You need to ask yourself better questions. It's the fact that you have support. Find fucking support. Stop trying to do shit on your own. Like mothers, mothers, <coughs> mothers. Stop trying to do shit on your own. Delegate. But, you know, I'm a senior VP in whatever company and I delegate all day. But when I get home, I have to do everything. it's this stupid society has made us feel like if we're not doing everything we're not successful so it's still back to ask yourself better questions what does success mean to you Mm. but even if you look at people who are successful in whatever field it doesn't matter they've delegated out parts of their lives like i'm sure serena williams i'll just you know isn't actually i'm sure she doesn't buy her training kit i'm sure she doesn't even go to a shop and go oh i'm gonna buy the racket she's she's probably got a coach who does all that works out the the racket and all the rest of it so she's not doing it all herself and i'll just share this quickly my mum old school jamaican parents i did chores i did everything around the house and they would and then you know when you hear stuff like oh i have to pay my kids to do washing up i'm like really like they just ate dinner (laughs) So we need to like 
because that's how they get discipline and that's how people learn. And we're bringing up a lot of people that potentially aren't, aren't going to be empowered, skilled. I don't know. But trying to do everything in your house all the time for you isn't is gonna is gonna be another stress for you. Yeah, and it doesn't even matter if you do have to pay your kids to do it in a way as well, because that's teaching them they have to work for their money. True. But at, True. but at the same time, I do. This is why to me it's such an it depends thing because families work differently. Like some hmm. families might have a sticker board, some might pay you for it. It really depends on where you are at in the moment and mm -hmm. what you need at the moment mm -hmm. to move you forward but it's just pausing and trying to get clear with yourself with what you truly need and if you think you know that you've got the answer still dig deeper because you'll be surprised at what emotions that are very uncomfortable to sit with lie underneath oh so much gold there because people wonder why we ask so many questions when we see clients and it's it's they feel like they're attacked, but you're not getting attacked. It's you need to ask the questions. Beautiful, beautiful. Do you know what? I think we should leave it there. That That's was perfect. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Leave it at that little note there. So rewind about one minute. <laughs> yeah. Sit with those emotions. If you feel like you know what you need, question deeper and. Feel the emotions, then ask yourself what those emotions are. If you don't know, go into Google, type in the emotional wheel or the wheel of emotions. Nice. Chart. Actually type in chart. It actually comes with the it comes with a worksheet of working through those emotions as well, because anxiety isn't really anxiety a lot of the time. We just cover it up with that because we don't want to dig deeper. And if you want to know more, type in that and type in that Google search. Nice. Perfect. People, we're living it here. So if you love this episode, give it five stars, share it with the world, because I think this is a powerful episode that can help a lot of people. And Ruby, you've got a podcast as well. So again, I'm going to put that in the show notes. Do you want to just tell people what, what it's called? 100% real with Ruby, because everything I do is real. Love it. Love it. So yeah, get onto that podcast as well, people, because I think that'll be an amazing thing for you to listen to. All right. I've listened to episode or two myself and hey that's why ruby's back so talk to you soon ruby thank you for being on and thank you for being so real thank you for having me back and listen i'm gonna have you back another time again don't worry yeah. <laughs> there's so much more on this yeah. oh, cool all right missy take care and we'll speak soon adios adios